This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to the Noise Careers Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and on this episode, I talk to Tyler Smith, who you may know from his band Danger Kids, production work, and writing with Bless the Fall, Falling in Reverse Issues, as well as Band Academy. Talk about all sorts of things. I think he has a really interesting perspective, and in all honesty, I say this all the time, but man, is this conversation fun and interesting. I think you're going to love it. So I'm not going to even hype it up anymore. Check it out. If you enjoy this conversation, always remember, I have a book called Processing Creativity that you can have on audiobook, ebook, or on a physical copy. All you have to do is head to Amazon.com and look for Processing Creativity if you like this conversation and you want to hear more thoughts like this. Without further ado, check out my conversation with Tyler. One second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, Share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at Noise Creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, we're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out. And please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. So you meet somebody who doesn't know much about music. How do you introduce yourself to that person and tell them what you do for a living? That's really interesting. That that answer has evolved a lot over over the past years, especially the past three or four years. Because I think I used to say, oh, I'm in a band. And I, I, I am a little bit different in the sense that I'm not used to talking about myself. Mm. And I'm not used to putting it all out there. And I'm trying to make that change. So now I sort of just say... Um, I don't know. I just like to help people make good music and whether that's through my production work or my writing, I do a lot of writing for bands and have for years. And, um, yeah, I play music and I, I'm developing all sorts of different like services and products that'll help bands and stuff. So now I just sort of say, yeah, I'm a producer who's kind of venturing out and and trying to just help people do what I get to do every day, which is make an awesome living off of music. (laughs) Nice. I like that a lot. Um, Okay, so then tell me more about what you do every day. Give me the rundown. Give me some highlights so people understand your background. Sure, sure. Like I, uh, so um, 
I started just playing music and writing music. And now my day to day consists of either phone calls, interviews, writing um, little articles and such to sort of help artists. And then what really fills up my day is I'll sort of book with a different artist at a different studio. And we're either writing songs together or producing music or records together. And then when I'm had my fill of that i go on the road with my band and then my day sort of just consists of a little bit of the same thing but instead of producing and writing for other artists i i'm just performing and and you know working on my band and my my passion <laughs> so i i wish i had an easier answer for you there oh it's uh, good it just depends on the season right now a lot of producing a lot of writing and yeah just a lot of trying to help help bands i i answer emails all day and do phone calls with bands all day I sort of just fill it up with music-oriented stuff. Cool. So is there any advice you give each band you record? Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I My, my like, thing I think I'm really known for saying is don't edit yourself mm. because that's, like, a different stage in the creative process to me. Like, we're just vibing. We're just making music. And I think people edit themselves in their head before the idea even gets articulated you know you're like oh maybe nah that's stupid i won't say that and there's like you know complete like i throw out tons of stupid stuff to sort of set the bar low so everyone kind of feels comfortable and such but really yeah it's about like don't edit yourself don't you're not editing right now we're putting it all on on paper like we're taking everything in our heads and laying it down and then we can go through and edit later um, we can cut things out. We can we can decide what's really cool, and that's how you end up with unique stuff. And that's something I've only recently adopted. I I think I was super like linear for a long time, like very very one dimensional or two dimensional. It was like I, I knew what a good song was, and I knew that choruses had to go like this. And now I'm like, dude, what if there was no last chorus? What if this mm-hmm. song was two and a half minutes, you know, instead of four and a half minutes or whatever? And it's not like I'm I'm sitting there thinking I want to go on a quest to make the shortest song ever. It's mm-hmm. more just like just daring to try different stuff and like you always know that's the that's the great thing about music is you'll play it back and y'all look at each other and you either go yeah this is sick or you go no this is stupid and i sort of want to i don't know i i theme i challenge myself now and so i try to encourage like other bands to do the same and i think i'm a little bit more further down that road so it's always me throwing out all these crazy ideas you know like whether it's just dropping an instrument in or or like a larger thing, like a direction change of the band and stuff like that. But I, I just tell people, don't edit themselves. Just just put in work and just try to create something that's like raw. And I I know how cliche all those words sound. I've listened to so many interviews. and But the creative process is really delicate. And if you can get a vibe going, if you can get something where everyone knows, like you look at each other and you're all sort of riding that wave together. And it doesn't mean the song is complicated or, or heavy or poppy or anything like that. It's just a good song. You know what I mean? I think that comes about from adventuring and trying, trying new stuff. And sometimes to certain people venturing out of your comfort zone might be writing a poppier song or it might be not, you know, maybe I start with vocals instead of having a, a, you know, two minute intro or something. And, and creatively, that's sort of my 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 motif. I'm just sort of encouraging people not to edit themselves. It, you know, it's funny. Like when I was researching my last book, I wrote uh, it was the guy who invented brainstorming, who is this guy Alex Osborne, who uh, they shaped Don Draper from Mad Men after. Um, oh, he had, that's awesome. He 
when he wrote this book on brainstorming, his whole thing is exactly what you just said. But I think that got lost along the way of like everybody who read that book and got into brainstorming, it got lost that like editing happens after you get out all the ideas and you're supposed to not be adventurous, not be constrained like in television writing. They call it blue sky period where you're like supposed to literally think of the craziest thing you can think of. And then they literally say yeah. like for a month they'll do that and never say a word that says if the idea is good or bad, they just go, no, keep going crazier, keep going crazier. And like, you know, the, like, uh, I think it was like that guy, BJ Novak from the office. He said, that's like, that's how they got all the craziest stuff is they would sit there and they would be like, no, go even crazier and encourage that instead of diminishing it, which I think so many people do in the creative process, especially like musicians feels like, you know, it's, that's a dumb idea is the literal most common thing that happens way too early. You know, what's interesting about what you just said is that, so many bands, especially the younger ones, or the ones that are newer to the creative process or to the process of writing songs, spend a lot of energy trying to fit in, whether they realize it or not. They they really reel themselves in, oh, this is too much this, this is too much that. And they really like homogenize the entire genre. because. And I get that. You're allowed to have influences, and you're young, and you're starting out. And it feels right because it's like mimics what you like and what you love and that to you that's indicative of a good song and at that moment in your life that is maybe the right answer but i think that undoing that whole process is really challenging and what you said i don't know if a lot of people understand that what brainstorming is my my band danger kids honestly came about in a little bout of brainstorming and it doesn't seem so crazy now 2018 but in 2011 and 2012 when i was just conceptualizing the whole thing i was i was touring in a pop band we were on fearless records we were called let's get it and i sort of always described it as like a hip-hop panic at the disco it was like very poppy um very very poppy very like i don't know it was almost like a cool rock scene like black eyed peas or something it was crazy huh. um a huge departure and so a lot of my mental process when forming danger kids was that whole brainstorming i was like what is the craziest thing i could do and i'm from ohio and so was let's get it and at the time rise records is signing all these heavy bands yes. and me being the hipster that i am i'm like no nah, i'm playing the poppiest thing <laughs> you've ever heard and you know everyone signed to rise so we signed yeah. to fearless you know and i had oh, to like funny. be in just the hipster and, local kid. And that, that's the year the bands I managed, Man Overboard and Transit, signed to rise. So that's funny, too, because it's also contrary to that. Yeah, I saw that. And, dude, I, I was, I'm fans of both of those bands, too. Oh, nice. they they awesome. But the interesting thing was my whole thought process was very much that. In my world, right, we had we had been touring for about four years. So it had, it had grown from just the local scene to, like, the national scene. But I was still so caught up in the popularity contest of it all. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what's the last thing people expect? Oh, I know I'll play heavy music because I'm the antithesis of heavy music. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh wait, what if I rapped? You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not a vocalist. I was a guitar player. So I was like, what if I rapped in the band? That's really weird. And the whole thing came about, I wanted it to be a little like one foot in something familiar. And on the other side, I did want it to be jarring and kind of like, what the heck? And so I didn't tell people, I just did it and I just put, I shot a video, we shot a video for $9 like by ourselves <laughs> and just put it out. And even, even my friends and my own band are like, uh, what, what the fuck is this uh, video here, dude? <laughs> like, is that, are you rapping right now? I'm like, the whole thing, I got a big kick out of that. And that was sort of the, 
that was years ago now, uh, so it doesn't seem so crazy because now there's bands that rap and stuff. Yes. But at the time, I felt like we were the first in a long while and certainly the first in our scene for a while. And I don't know. I loved it. And I sort of thrive. I've always been that person. So now that I'm years into that and been exercising, and it really worked, and it, it brought me to where I am today. And that for that, I'm extremely grateful. And so now I'm just encouraging other people to do the same thing, like try to imagine what could be instead of what you've done and and like appeasing that, you know, and I, cause I think if you do it delicately, you can, you can reinvent your sound. Like I just, I produced the new bless of all record that came oh, out nice. on Tuesday and they're, they're, they're five. Yeah. They're five records or six records into like this heart of this metal core sound. They come to me like, dude, we, we need, we need like a refresh, you know? And so, and I was honored to be the person for that. And now I'm becoming that person it's like people trust me to help them develop a sound and so that was a huge honor and a huge responsibility and i think we struck a really cool balance and so far i haven't seen first week sales yet but it was it was great i i saw it peak at seven overall on the charts and then i know it was number one on rock for a long time so i mean that was good and i imagine it's it's hopefully going to be a, a rebirth for them and like start them on a path where they opens a few doors and stuff but that was that was them coming to me, but also us just working together on that. And I think they could have put out another metalcore record and the fans they already had would have loved it. But we did that. It's heavy, dude. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a song where Easy E says, suck my dick right in the beginning and just go, you know, I mean, it's got, it's got like these things for these fans. Uh, and those were fun too. And then there was a more adventurous side, a more like contemporary side where we sort of brought these pop elements that we didn't think really exist in our scene right now again that's one of my favorite things to do obviously if you look at my history like with that and danger kids i felt like was not i wouldn't call it revolutionary but it was different from what was happening and then and same with let's get it we were in in the sea of you know warp tour has become this metal it's just really crossing over and we were like as poppy as it comes man Mm. and uh and i've just always liked that and so they they took a risk we took a risk together and i think i think it's working but i do think that it took we had to sit down and do that together because what's right for one artist is not going to be right for the other artist. And if you keep it a little bit familiar and a little bit fresh, then I think that people will grab, like some people will latch on right away. And some man, thrice is one of my favorite bands. And I remember when they put out Visu, I was like, I listened to it once and I was like, what the hell is this? And I just put it to the side. And then like, Three months later, I put it in, and it's my favorite record. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, mean, I totally. genuinely was. I was young. I wanted them to do the same exact thing they've always done, and they didn't. And so I had to grow up to like listen to that record. And I think that there's a chance that this record will feel that way to a lot of fans. It's like, but I mean, so far it's it's been really positive, and I I am curious. I think it might be um, a big record for them, and hopefully a big cycle. I know they have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Nice. Uh, so. When you're trying to do something really daring with a band uh, and change that direction, I feel like like everybody knows the thing that you can't just like come up with an idea because if it's not authentic, it's not something they actually like, then it's going to just sound terrible and contrived. How do you find where to go with the band? Like, what's that process look like? Dude, of, like doing something that, adventurous. <laughs> that's the best part. I I find that to be the most rewarding part by far. Like, I could I could give you. Um, I could give you a couple examples. I mean, a very literal example uh, would be actually on that Bless the Fall record. We were starting vocals on the first song, so music's pretty far along. We're like starting to get Bo involved because we he'd been writing and writing by himself, and then I sort of come in and help write, and we 
put things together and he's singing and we're doing this and it sounds cool. Don't get me wrong. It always works. It always sounds cool, but I'm, I'm like a very proactive producer. And so like, it, it doesn't affect, you know, I want the, I want to win too. And I want to make an impression. And if I'm not giving 110%, I'm just wasting both of our time. So we're getting really far along. And I actually heard him joke singing. I forget what Michael Jackson song it was, but he was just like joke singing, like beat it or something in the other room is, you know, uh-huh. Don't you ever come around here? like, and like, I was like, <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on a second you sound fucking awesome right now. Like, why aren't we doing that? Like, why have you ever sang like that? I always just hear you trying to hit the highest note that you can hit. Like, what about that? And he's just like, I don't know. And so we deleted everything and then like started over. And, and, uh, it's really cool. Cause if you listen to that song, um, it's called feeling low. It, it was the first one that we were tracking. And, and it's like, it's very, uh, it's got like all this, like melodies in it and it's like very like different because i was like that's it no one's heard bo sing like that bo just you know what's the formula like have a guy scream the verse and then have a guy sing the chorus as high as he can or something and then you know and that's like so exhaustive to me i i just it doesn't like pique my interest the way it did when i was younger so i was like whoa delete you know let's do that let's do that and so that's like a literal example but sometimes even sonically it was just there was a period where we sort of scratched around on two different songs like a trial period i guess where they were sort of trying me out and it's interesting too because we toured together originally in like 2009 or 2008 (laughs) so almost 10 years later for me to be like producing their record and stuff it's just very interesting where these things take you but that I think we did so I still had to reestablish this trust and show them that like you're a band who could go to anyone and you know I mean I, I had to come I was competing you know with like Howard Benson who is like a hero of mine who did like three cheers you know Mike Hem and I mean, you know countless records and and he's writing great songs and I'm listening to him and I'm like oh my god please let me do this please let me produce this song it's so good and uh you know i'm like a huge fan and so it was i think that the edge was just that i really gave a shit and i can understand i don't know i'm not saying that howard didn't by any means but Uh i just was like that young hungry guy to them you know i was like i will do this i will get my hands dirty and the stuff that we made when we were experimenting, I think really really opened their eyes because the first two songs but like one of the first ones we did uh, actually, the first two we did are the first two songs on the record, funny enough. Um, and and both, I, I felt like we're a little, one one was more experimental than the other, but it was just like playing with sounds. And I was like, dude, what if you did this? Have you ever heard yourself like this? Like, I remember Bo telling me throughout the process that like he was like becoming a huge fan of his, his band. Mm. And it's like, not that he wasn't before, but I took that as a big compliment where he's like, dude. I love this music. Like I, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't know how to interpret that. I don't know if maybe he had, it just had been a while since he felt that way, or maybe he was just being polite, but I, I really, that, that struck me. Cause he was like, dude, I'm such a fan of, of this, like this right now, what we're doing. And, and I think it just helped everyone kind of realize what they could be. And, and you know how I, yeah, I can only imagine right. having a career that's over a decade. And then it, well, you know what it takes to feel new again, you know, and not just be like another record, another a photo shoot another interview and i mean to even have a career that's half that long is is impressive so so i i don't know i that made me feel like we were on the right track and we were riding a wave together i i think that that's a really good point you make is that like people who don't have that 
don't get that, that the really the hardest thing becomes is how you keep challenging yourself and staying fresh and not having it be the thing of like, well, what do the fans want? And when you were making music that was for you first, and that's what everybody was into and not falling into the trap of like an identity or like expectations, all those things is like much more of a harder battle. And that's why bands don't make many good records. Like, you know, it's like really is the thing of like, I, I think I've tweeted it like three or four times as I always say to people, I'm like, show me a band that has had more than a four record run, run in a decade where all of it has been great and all of it has been something good. And it's like, that is a fucking hard question. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like, what's an even yeah. harder question? But that is, show, your point. Yeah. What's the even harder question is show me a band with a hundred good songs. Yeah. Like, oh even, my God. 50, even 50 is pretty fucking hard. Man, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, most bands just pray for one or two. Yeah. And it's, it's so really. I, I, I understand. So tell me what happens when somebody in the studio says nobody will hear that. Dude, this is simultaneously the saddest piece of advice and the most true piece of advice that I was ever told. And actually, like my friend, my good friend Joey Sturgis, who I know you're friends with as well, he, I don't know if he remembers saying this to me, but he called it the two hot girls in the room principle. <laughs> and he was just like, he said, there can only be two hot girls in the room when you're mixing a song. Like, so there might be all this cool shit going on. And you know, like you said, that no one's going to be able to hear this this way or appreciate this, like deconstructed like this. But at the end of the day, you essentially have to pick the two things that people are going to hear at this moment in the song. And, you know, like in general, my choices are always drums and vocals, but there's part, you know, I, everything's moving and living and automated. So there's a part where there's a crazy guitar thing, you know, that gets turned up and other things get turned down. And, but at, at the end of the day, it's like, you can't hear all 51 vocal tracks and all, you know, 30 cents happening at once. It's just impossible. Your brain is only going to pick like one or two things. And so there's absolutely things I, I overdo it still. That's one of my, my things I'm working on as a producer is I put too much in and I've gotten pretty good at putting a lot in and then pulling half of it out, which is my new approach. Uh, but I'm really hoping to ultimately arrive at a time where I'm only putting in the necessities. Like, it's just like, this is all it needs. And I'm confident and I put it in and I'm like, boom, perfect. You know, I'm not there yet. I'm still like, I'm too synth happy. You know, I like, I put way too much in and then I'm like, which hook is better? Should they all play at the same time? <laughs> that's like the old, that's my old thing. But yeah, dude, there's so many parts. There's, there's like beautiful things. And, and I actually gave the band everything deconstructed, like so that they can build, I showed them like cool, clever ways that they could build sets and intros using the content that's already created. And, and I'm hoping that the live experience will make up for that. Like you'll get to appreciate parts and synths and melodies and, but all in all it's dense. I mean, there's five people going at it like as hard as they can for most of the time. I, I will say it's, it's a much more dynamic in my opinion than the other records. It does have soft parts and quiet parts and hollow parts, but yeah, there's, there's like some beautiful stuff that is going to go unnoticed. There's like some beautiful choral arrangement. There's, there's that's just completely buried like you'll never hear it we put in like days of work and like and it's just in there but but i think that it does still on some level matter and make a difference that we took the time to get it right because i know i know personally a lot of producers that are just i don't know that their way of thinking is necessarily wrong it might just be it might be where i get to but right now i'm like nah man everything gets 100 percent everything and so they're sort of just like i want to build a pad for the vocals to sit on. And that's not a wrong way of thinking. 
um, at all. And a lot of them are arguably more successful than me at producing. So I have to imagine that there's some truth to that, but I don't know. They, they're so busy, you know, they're like on a timeline and we, we sort of tried to craft it where, you know, time is a non-issue, like money is a non-issue and we're just creating and it's done when it's done. I mean, we worked every day, long days, you know, 14, 16 hours every day. It, it, it did have a schedule, but it also felt very freeing. Like if something took longer then it took longer, like whatever, I'll make it work. I'm not going to be like, sorry, guys, your time's up. And like, peace out. <laughs> that's not like me. Well, yeah, that, 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 that's the problem with being a successful producer is that then you do have obligations to, to bands. That becomes the thing is like when you're making good records, you're doing exactly what you're talking about. And then everybody's like comes running to you. And it's like, oh, well, how do I balance this? And that becomes a real tough thing. Isn't I, that just like what you were saying to you about how a lot of bands have like one good record, like their yeah. first record for that same reason? You know, it's like it's, they have something to prove. They have all the time in the world. They don't have rules because they don't know who they are yet because they don't have fans and they don't care what their fans think because they don't have any. And like, that's a beautiful time. And if you can really get back to that kid in a basement just with headphones on, like wondering if you can ever be great and wondering if this thing is great or bad or, or what that, that is, that is like raw um, creation. You know, like that's the place I sort of strive to be. That's a great point. And uh, you know, like a funny thing is, uh, like when I was coming up in the like early two thousands, it would be like so customary. Like when I was working for Ross Robinson, like we would push bands back all the time because we'd be like, "Oh no, well this record isn't good," and like we'd be pushing a big multi million dollar machine. But like now everything is like such a fucking factory, and no one has any room for like, "Oh well, the most important thing is going to be that you make a good record since that's the greatest marketing tool." But, uh, oh, it didn't come out that good, and we only have six decent songs, and then, like, six songs that are kind of not finished. Well, we'll just get it out there, and we'll just march it out and tour it, oh, whatever, you know. Not, it won't ruin, yeah, the, it won't ruin the band's career or anything. <laughs> that was the biggest thing that was lost. Um, there was a lot gained with that democratization of mm -hmm. the industry, and, like, so I love that you don't have to have a million dollars, like you yes. said, to go record anymore. That's a beautiful thing. If you're in, like, we are at a time where the industry, you know, it's a whole new music business now. And so people can be heard without these, without these gatekeepers or if you will. But I do agree that that was something that was definitely lost. It, it's such a juxtaposition for me because I am the, I am like the poster child of the bedroom producer, you uh -huh. know, like I wouldn't exist as a producer without these, this technology and this stuff. And I do think I've got, I'm getting to a point and I am reaching a point where I am acting as I think a real producer would act. So, and I love, like, I can't believe you worked with Ross Robinson, huge fan. That guy could make sounds, you know, like yeah, he could yeah. do this band and this band and they sound nothing alike, but you know them the second they come on. I mean, that's like a beautiful thing. I sort of strive. I want people to hear something I do and, and I get pieces of that. And that's my favorite compliment is where they're like, someone's like, dude, I can hear you on this. Like I can hear, you know, like it's got the Tyler like synth thing or the Tyler glitch thing, like, or the, you know, whatever it is. And I'm like, that to me is my favorite compliment. But I do think that, like you said, there's, there's a lot of people that are learning to record, but no one's really learning how to produce. And I think producing is a lot of like going back to your first comment on brainstorming and coming up with a raw direction it's like that stuff matters less and less right there's like a diminishing return it's like a bell curve so there's like your your recording sucks so the quality matters a lot 
and then it gets a little better and a little better. And then you sort of cross this threshold. And I just sort of always tell people that it doesn't have to sound insane. I mean, it's great if it does, but it really just has to sound good enough. Yes. So if it, and what I mean is like good enough to be taken seriously. And at that point, it, there's a diminishing return, right? So you might spend, I could spend a hundred grand for like a 1% increase in quality yes. when my money might be better spent, like, on like a light in the studio that like sets a mood or yes. something, you know what I mean? Or, for example, or, it's just or a day off, or just taking more like yeah. doing more, making sixteen songs for a twelve song record instead of just twelve songs where all of them have to go on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And and I do think that I I'm at that weird spot because I'm on both fences a little bit. But I do think I'm as a producer arriving at that point where now I am looking at the big picture. Now I am like. Dude, it has so much less to do with the drums and so much more to do with like what you are saying and how it feels and how it makes other people feel and like what's happening to them when the song comes out and like all these other factors and some of them you just can't control and that that's sort of the beautiful thing but a lot of people are like dude, I can program drums. I can do this. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. And I love that and go, go be creative and stuff. But I do implore people to, it's like, if you work with a producer, you will know. And I don't mean they'll make your shit sound good. I mean, they will blow your mind and they'll make you do things that you never would have thought of. Like, like hopefully a democratic way, not like, Hey, do this, right. You know, I wrote your song. Here it is. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. But in a way where you're like, you listen to your song back and you're like, holy shit, is that me? Like, I can't believe this is my band. Like, that's why I said it meant so much when Bo was like, dude, I'm becoming such a big fan of my band right now. And and I was just like, oh, I think I'm doing it. Like, I think we're, the pressure starts to dissipate because at the time I'm like, big responsibility, you know, money on the line. I want to do good by them. They're my friends. They're talented. And, and as you're going along, you're like, dude. Dude, the hard part was was like getting to this point, you know. Mm. Now we're in the fun part, which is let's just make music and like do the cool stuff. And there are songs like you were saying. There's plenty of songs that didn't make the record. Songs that I really liked. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but you know, it's democratic. Someone's gonna hear something that I'm not hearing. And I had a friend tell me last night. I won't say which song, but what my song that was like. I was never big on it. It was like, I, I love them all. Please understand that. But I was just like, he told me that was his favorite track. And I was just like, see that right there proves that I need to, you know, everyone should be listening to everyone. Cause yes. that song would have been my first one that I was like, eh, that one didn't really offer anything. I, I have the like, same That's thing. That's my favorite song. And I'm like, well, there you go. Same thing all the time. Is like it's one of those things that like should keep a producer humble. Is like when you see like a record goes out, you're like, ah, I, my vote was to cut that one from the record. And people are like, that's the jam, dude. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're yeah, like, I thought that too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but you know how it is. Like sometimes you're like you're really into this one because it took so long to make yes. or something. Like that was the young me. I would be like, this is the best song because I spent weeks on it, right? Yeah. But that doesn't make it good. Like a lot of times the best song is the song that you did in a day because you just didn't think there was no rules. You were like this, 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 this sounds cool. This is fine. And then ultimately like people like that one better. Like, cause you, cause I might be too caught up in my own work. And I, I believe that I am past that now because I'm, I'm hyper aware of that, but I know that that's how people are at home right now. It's like their prized creation, you know, and you can either cling to a song like it's the only song you're ever going to make and fight for its every piece or you can just understand that it's not the last song you're going to make and your every song you make after that is going to be better and better and better and so that's why i like i also encourage people to just create and just make things and like 
that's one of the best ways to brainstorm almost is just like, don't have rules, just make something. And if you're singing and one day you want to rap, just do it. And if you're like, you want to pick up a piano and learn to teach yourself an instrument or just, you know, I took this song and I just started playing it acoustic and now it's this. And, and those are really easy examples of what I'm saying. Mm. But, but like, if you just start cranking stuff out, I have friends, close friends that send me songs every day every day they make a new song and they send it to me and it's like a song where you can like hit play and it starts and it has a verse and it goes into this chorus and some of them are full songs man and i'm just like dude you're gonna run this shit one day Mm -hmm. like if you keep this this fire like i know people that can't even write 10 songs to put out an album that are in bands like successful bands yeah it's like i i'm not knocking that I, i i feel bad saying that but but it's like what a gift, man. What a gift to be able to create on such a level. And that's how you're going to get your best ideas. I actually read a study about that. Um, yeah. I think it was done by like the Chicago Institute of Art. Um, mm-hmm. My brother had gone there, but he they did a, a study. I have no idea how they gauge the metrics of this, but they had a class work on a, a project for a month. And then they had a class create a new piece of art every day for a month and then they had like i guess renowned art critics like basically judge it and nobody picked any of the pieces that the people worked on for a month it's like you're you're too caught up you're you're not creating in a raw sense you're thinking you know you're like like it's a it's a it's like a subconscious thing it's like you just have to do and i don't know how else to get people there but once you do it once and you feel the rewards of that it's it's really addicting i i I, i'm Totally with it. I remember this uh, study as well. And, like, you know, there's a funny thing I saw years ago, like, when I still worked at a mastering house. Uh, James Murphy from LCD Sound System was producing this record for another artist, and he did the thing mm. with, like, they were going to sequence the record, and they had not... They were still fighting about it, and they were, like, fighting about it in the lounge while Alan Douches is mastering it, and uh, wow. he's, yeah. like, he's... He's like, okay, I want you to make me a list of the, the songs you guys are all proudest of. You're playing on it. And they all make the list yeah. of that, and then they make the list of things. He's like, no one's allowed to vote on the top uh, three that you said are, you're the most proud of. Your vote doesn't count on which order they go in and which one stays on the album. I was like, that's a uh, wow. hell of a way to cut through the chafe <laughs> right there. I was like, that's yeah. like really threw him for a, for, for a loop. And I was like, man, that, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, it's like funny because pro- that probably happened 15 years ago. I've never done that, but I'm always like, I'm going to do that one day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, but I think the goal would be to, you know, teach that lesson. But man, yeah, that's that would be hard for anyone in any position because you're obviously going to feel attached to certain pieces of your art and stuff. And yeah, that, that part always fascinates me too, is like, I try to encourage people that that's why producers are so great is they're not emotionally invested. It's not like I don't care, but I don't care the same way that you care about it. Like what you said, like you're really proud of the way you played this thing, but that doesn't matter to me. And if it doesn't matter to me, it probably doesn't matter to a lot of people. What ultimately it's like, yeah, how does, how, you know, in public speaking, they have that, the acronym it's called WIFM and it it means what's in it for me. And I do think that even if people don't mean to be that way, it's, that's why you consume anything, right? You don't like, or, or, you know, music or food or culture or whatever. It's like you, you want something out of it. And so it's like, it's interesting that it's less about you. It can be your story, but ultimately it's the way that they relate to your story. And so no one might care that you played this rad thing and maybe a guitar player will. Isn't it funny? You, you know, you get this, but can't you always tell when a song is written by 
by a guitar player oh, yeah, or yeah. when it's written by a singer or when it's like, you can always tell cause it's just so obvious. And that, that kind of stuff always makes me nervous working with a band. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I might have to crack these guys open and like start over. Cause you know, you get in with the guitar player and everything is like, there's no, there's like leads going through the court. Like, like where's the vocal sit? Like, are they going to like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, so you have to start to, step on their art a little bit which can be a delicate thing and be like try it like this like let's build it from the other direction and then see what's what but if you can get people like thinking like you and understanding it and it really speeds it up but that's so crazy i i have to look up that uh that thing you were telling me about with the lcd sound system because that's 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 genius it's pretty pretty funny you make like such a good point with this like the musician thing like i remember like somebody relating that and and like we were having a discussion while we were making a record and the band was really into Slipknot at the time. I'm like, yeah, can you not tell that the drummer writes everything? And they're like, oh, you can tell the drummer writes everything. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, there you go, dude. There you go. Yeah. I, and once you open the, like unveil that, it's like, they can't unlearn that. Yes. You know, once they, once it's like, once you hear it, like if you hear like a weird sound in the background, you're like, you hear that? It's like, ah, it's the same thing, but it's useful because mm-hmm. they'll carry that with them. And they'll maybe be critical of themselves too. When they're writing where they're like, I'm a guitar player. Yeah. Does this sound like a guitar player wrote it? Shit. It does. There's nothing yeah. but guitars flying everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, and and I, I think that's the mark of a really good song is when you get past that point where it, like it starts to be like, no, I can't tell like that somebody's being egoist here that it's like, no, this is just a song and we're all really actually serving the song. And a lot of times that's vocally driven in pop yes. music, but I mean, it can, totally. it can take any form. It, 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 in pop music, if it's not the vocal, it basically becomes not pop music. Yeah, <laughs> true. Hey, I want to tell you real quick about a company I'm involved with now. They're called Manic Merch. What I want you to do is stop selling merch like an idiot. In 10 minutes, you can upload designs and sell merch on your own store with every popular merch item available. Manic Merch will handle the sales, shipping, customer service issues, so you can be free to create and not be bothered while still profiting the way you would if you did it yourself. Manic Merch is perfect for musicians, movies, YouTubers, podcasts, meme makers, startups, and anyone else who has good ideas for merch designs. Let me tell you a little bit more. You can set up a store in minutes for no money down. Other merch companies make you order a ton of merch first. You can sell to your customers and only pay for the merch that gets printed. That's how we keep rates so low. Fans buy more merch when they get to choose how to express themselves. Once you upload a design, a fan can put it on any merch item they want, as well as any color they want, and all sorts of things like hoodies, lighters, etc., etc. You can set your own price and choose how much you profit. You can lower prices if you want to sell more, raise them if you want to make more. You also get the email of every single person who buys from you. So you can email everyone when you have new releases. You could also track sales, and you get paid on time each month. I really encourage you to check out Manic Merch. I think what we're doing is really cool. So without any further ado, here's the podcast. So uh, with that, what's the musical bane of your existence? What do you really hate? Oh, man. I started out hating a lot. Mm. Um, I'm curious what your answer is to this question. Uh, I feel I, <laughs> what is your you, you, you know lately because I produce a lot of pop punk uh it's that thing where the guitarist solos alongside the vocal for the entire fucking song I'm like yeah. <laughs> I'm like I you know I'm 40 years old now I get that I may not be with the kids anymore but like mm-hmm. uh I'm fucking seriously done with uh the competing two melodies at all times yeah. in the song where it never ever dissipates that there's like 
this guy who's playing one lead and there's a singer and they're both not really communicating with each other about what's the melody of the song it makes me fucking insane that's the guitar player writing the song because they'll they'll write they'll put the chord structure in and then they'll go it feels empty and then they'll (laughs) put a lead in there that essentially is a vocal you know what i mean and so if you're like, yeah, we're going to pull that out. And like, I, one thing I do, like even with bless the fall, Eric, their guitar player writes a lot of the music and he's super talented. And he, this almost isn't fair because he is very experienced and very talented. So he gets it, you know, but there, you still have that thing of like, all right, let's strip this thing down to it's like most basic thing. And then if we can make the vocals interesting here, and then trickle in these layers and because we on that record we did some cool stuff very like i don't know what you call like like adam d type stuff where we're like Uh putting little twinkly guitars underneath that you don't really hear but they add to the chord depth and stuff and like and we'll start to build that stuff in after the vocals and then it's like can a lead fit can a lead fit on this second half is the lead like a little post-chorus thing and then it it really does change the way you think in the structure because even he will be like yep you're right it's better like that it's better just vocal it's better this way or that way so it was a cool process i think and i think he i i hope he learned a lot i learned a lot from him and i always learn a lot from my artists but but it was i remember having that like realization with him on the on the first couple songs and then after that it was like we knew the deal. So we record, you know, we'd record all this stuff and strip it down and start writing vocals to just like the drum, almost like drums and bass basically. Mm, yes. And it were like, you know, same thing as the acoustic guitar. Um, we were just like writing it. A lot of it was being created on the spot. And so, uh, and that's like one of the other things I, I get hired to do a lot is to just write. I do a lot of like top line work. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I did a couple. Why, why, why do you explain to people what top line work is? Cause I don't think anybody's ever said that on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's easy in concept. It's like you're writing the hook, like the vocal hook essentially. And that can be, that can be lyrics or melody or both. Uh, but it does go a little bit deeper than that a lot in my experience, because the hook sort of def- the whole song is built around the vocals in my opinion. So a lot of times I will come in and I will go a little bit beyond top line, even if that's what I'm hired to do. And I'll be like, what about the this chord progression instead of this because it complements this and and everyone again like i said we all look at each other and we all go yeah that's the shit every time so i've never yeah. really had push there's never like a big like well this one's better than that unless someone is like way too close to their demo which obviously happens but most of the people i'm working with now are past that and so yeah but essentially top line is just writing the vocals and the melody for like the hook or the chorus and um so a band might have music it might be a guitar player writing all the music but the vocalist needs help with vocals or maybe they're too busy or maybe they want to try something different and they know what they sound like i know i went through phases like that i used to be anti-co-writing i was like that's stupid you know write your own music and then i realized like co-writing is the same thing if me and you sit down and jam and write a song we're like that was a good song that's cool like why is that to be reprimanded you know i think that should be encouraged and one of the coolest things that come out of co-writing is even if you don't use the song, you learn a lot because that person is going to, I'm going to come up with shit that you're never going to come up with and vice versa. You're going to show me something that might be boring to you. Cause you're like, Oh, I always do this. Or, you know, I tend to, cause I know that what my tendencies are, maybe you're past that, but I'm like, ah, I always kind of do yeah. stuff like this. And, but to other people, they're like, Whoa, I never heard my band that way. Yeah. You know, I never heard my band with these synths and these cut up vocals. And like, the, I'm always like, well, that's just kind of my thing. And I used to just shy away from my thing and now I embrace it. Cause it's like what makes me, me, it's my sound. And 
So abandon, same thing happens with top line is what I'm saying. So people, it's interesting when you realize that people like literally will hire you for your brain. And, and like, I'm not a great singer, but I can convey an idea to a great singer. I was work, like, I did, um, I did a couple top lines for the new issues record uh-huh. and they, and like Tyler Carter in that band is like yeah, a he's amazing fantastic singer. singer. And, and top line is so fun because you get to put yourself in the character of this other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so I would come up with a minute. It's so funny to watch me try to like, he sings like, like, you know, Justin Bieber or something. So I'm like, dude, you should do like a run. Like I can't do runs and stuff, but I'll be like, I, I don't want to give any of it away, but like, no. I'll come up with stuff that I could never sing and I could never write. And I'm like, what if you said this? What if you said this? And like the moment he, it comes out of his mouth, it's like 10 times cooler than I ever thought it would be. I'm like, Oh my God, you're such a good singer. Huh. And so it's cool. Like I would never write that because I don't, my brain doesn't, I can't do that. I mean, at least yet. I'm sure if I applied myself, but yeah, my band wouldn't do that. My band doesn't sound like Tyler Carter. And same thing with like, I did um, the last like falling in reverse record and I helped write on most of the, all of the songs, but two. And it was the same thing. Like, dude, Ronnie is, is, uh, he is the rock star. Like, that's the coolest thing about him is like, I kind of love that, that he is like one of the, he's like, that's how I describe it. He's like literally one of the last, like actual rock stars. Like that's how his life is. I can't explain that enough, but I just, to be able to step in and out of his life, it can be really fun Uh for me because that's not me. I'm married and I live, you know, I just, I'm very chilled out and, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. to put myself in that character and write those songs, you know, like one of the first songs I did that really got the attention of, of Brett over at Epitaph was I wrote a song called fuck you and all your friends with him. Mm. And like my band would never write a song called fuck you and all your friends. Like that's just not, <laughs> that's just not our motif. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're over here like trying to be a little more like inspirational and blah, 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 blah. But like, but and not like I don't respect that, but it's like so fun as a guy who just loves music and can't get enough of it to like get to scratch all these itches. I, I work with a country artist too, and so I I don't play country, but I love writing it. Uh-huh. And it's just different. Like I would never write about like you know county lines and pickup trucks or whatever, but it can be really like liberating to like put yourself in a different position. And I would like to think that ultimately it makes me a better songwriter and a better producer. Yeah. And I, I, you you know, I think you made a really good point about the top line thing too, is, is that it's never the top line. Like there's so many times I do sessions, uh, where I'm like the person who's helping with like, there's three top line people working and I'm going to be the person who kind of mediates it between the artists. And they're like, well, we're just going to send an instrumental. We already got the beat. And I'm like, don't fucking do that. We need all the stems. We're going to end up rewriting it in a second. And I guarantee you the bridge is going to change. Give me all the fucking files. It's a pro tools file. It's two gigabytes. (laughs) Just, just, just just give it to me. So I don't have to call you again. I want to just get this done. You're going to, you're going to thank me later. Please don't do this. Tyler was like that too. Like uh, I wrote with him like at the at the beginning of last year, and that was the first thing we did. Like before we even had vocals, he was like already cutting up the song. Like we had it an assistant engineer there, and so he's like he's like you know can you double that chorus and cut the verse in half, and can you make the bridge the intro? You know, yeah. what I mean? that was like the first thing he said, and it's like that. But that's what top line. That's how it goes. And then we're changing the key to fit his voice. You know, so we're just like transposing this this cut up just des- destroyed wave file where like you said if we had the files it would be so much easier so yeah a little tip if anyone out there is trying to like 
you know, write, write more vocally. I, I think I enjoy top line more than I do writing music, but I feel like I get more, more like I've had to turn away a lot of writing gigs lately. Cause it's so like creatively exhausting to me. Cause I can't not give a huge shit. Like I always have to care so much. And like when it, when you start doing like two of those a day and you're like tracking a band and you're, the band is trusting you to be, you know, ever present, you know, like as soon as I get off this call, like by, I have a session all day. So it's like, mm. I can't be creatively drained like that. So a lot of right. my writing, I, I'm a little more choosier now, I think with my, with my writing, but with vocals, it's like, I don't know. It doesn't wear me out. I think I get pumped on it. I think I hear someone else sing it. And it kind of like does has the opposite effect of exhausting me. It's like, oh, that's sick. And then, I don't know. It's it just a little bit. I think it just comes more naturally to me, and that's probably why I enjoy it. I think though you, you're you're hitting on those something that I noticed too is that like people get more inspired. Like it's the same reason like you try even the idea that sounds bad when somebody mentions it. You're like, oh, that's not gonna work. Yeah. You try it because it usually inspires a good idea. And what I tend to see is like with the guys I work with. Like I'm not as much of a songwriter. I'm more of a producer and like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll see with some of the top line guys I, I work with is like their beats kind of start getting bland and they're not getting a new inspiration for a while but then they work with somebody and they do the top line and they're like oh we listen to that track and then they get all these things because they're getting somebody's outside of inspiration and it rejuvenates them again yeah and that, that's the other thing is you also never know where this top line or where these songs end up though the one song I referenced that I did like oh, almost two years or I guess it was last January was actually I was just helping Tyler with like he was being featured on like an EDM song and they it ended up never coming out but now they took that exact same top line and just put it on an issues song oh, and nice. it, it, you know what I mean so it went from like like EDM to like jazz metal you know what I mean uh -huh. and it's like those are those are opposites but it totally works and so um, you never know. You never know where those things end up. And I do think a good song translates like that because the lyrics are dope. Like I'm super proud of it. Nice. So what's something that people get wrong about you that they think, but it isn't actually the case. I can give you two answers. Okay. One is I think that a lot of people that know me or came up with me, um, in the beginning, this has changed entirely. Uh, this has done a total 360, but I think I want to touch on this for anyone listening that's like starting out and feels like they want to be doing what you're doing or what I'm doing. Mm. And they just want that encouragement is, and you, you could probably feel this as well. Like I, I think in the beginning there was a lot of people that people don't mean to do this all the time, but they have a tendency to drag other people down when you're sort of putting yourself out there and trying to achieve something, whether it's like you want to be in a band. So you play out, but you putting yourself out there makes you an easy target, whether you're a producer or an artist. And so even if they don't mean to, I really do believe that people are conditioned to not encourage people like by default, I think yes. that they, you know, don't go on tour, you know, girlfriends or something, you know, and I, I, I'm married and my wife is the exception. And so there are people out there that are very supportive of dreams and goals and encouraging of that. And then, but there's that whole, like, Oh, don't go on tour. Just stay. Cause mm. it's easier to stay, you know, oh, yes. don't, move, don't move to Nashville or LA. Like just, why don't you just stay here? And we'll just like do this. And it's like, they don't realize it, but if you want to do something and then an outside source comes in and like, you know, imposes its influence on you. That that's sort of what I'm talking about, and it's such a societal thing. It's like it's like that whole like oh, go to college and have kids. It's like well, if you can resist that pressure, I think you can find 
I, I guess I just want to say surround yourself with people that are encouraging like that because yes. in the beginning, those people show themselves. And so in the beginning, people would say like, you know, something good happens to you. And so they either feel threatened or they feel like you're not deserving of that opportunity or, and it's usually the same people that, that wanted you to like, nah, man, don't work. Like come to this party. And then you're like, no, nah, I'm just going to work. And then they like take it personally or they take it personally when something comes of your work and you want to be excited for them. Dude, we're signing this label. And they're, they're like, you know, I don't know. It's like a weird stigma. So if you can find people that encourage you instead of people that, that sort of seek to hold you down a little bit, um, even if they don't mean to, then, then do it. Cause surround yourself with those people. Because in the beginning, that was my stigma. So in the beginning, it, the misunderstanding with me was that I, I didn't deserve anything that was happening to me. And obviously to me that hurts because I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. It's not like I sat at home. It's not like I went to that party with you. Like I freaking worked, you know, like even Drake said that, you know, while you're out partying, I'm, I forget the exact lyric, but he's like, I'm here making all the music that they party too. Like he was yeah. rapping about staying home and making beats and grinding it out. And like, so it's, it shouldn't be a surprise when he's successful. And I think that's true in anything you do. It's like, whether it's going to college or just educating yourself on a subject or, or getting noticed in the world of music as an artist or a writer or something like that first misunderstanding, I think should be some inclination that you're on to something like you're going to put yourself out there and it's going to feel awkward for a time, but you're also making other people uncomfortable because they start to ask themselves whether they know it or not. What am I doing with my life? You know, like, what am I, what, it, what am I here to do? And like, I, I was lucky and sort of found my calling um, a little early on, whether even though I didn't realize it, but it's like, I'm here to help people make really great music. And whether that is through producing or writing or um, I, I mentor a lot of bands. I've managed bands. I, I run, um, I help run a record label, uh, mm. that's, that's starting through, um, I, I'm managed by fly South, um, uh -huh. which is like a Paramore and a date member and such. And I made a record label with those guys. And so we're signing our, we, we signed danger kids to it, um, as a, basically as a test mm. and it was great. And now we're signing our, our first two artists that are, um, both artists that I discovered, and so I have that, um, I'm, I'm working with Joey and, and, um, we have some exciting like projects coming up, like both, both, um, uh, in the plugin world, although I don't, I don't want to say too much, but that, that there's any way that I, I'm, I want to give people tools to make music. I want to teach them how to write songs. I want to take them on tour. I want to sign them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I want to yeah, yeah. produce music. I just, I just love, love music. And so I, I do think that if you can surround yourself with people like that, like people that want to see you win and encourage you every step of the way, then, then do that. And I, I, maybe there's not any other misunderstanding, but I, I do think I really did want to say that because I think that that's what people listening might be experiencing and they might not know how to take it because it's people they love and people they trust. Sometimes it's their parents. Sometimes your parents are like, all oh, your band's not going to do anything or yes. like you can't, you can't make a living producing. Can you, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You, you need to know that you can. And I, I think I was fortunate because I grew up around artists. I lived with the devil Wars Prada dudes. Like oh, nice. they were friends of mine all through their, their explosion. So I think that if I didn't see them going on tour and coming back with money, I wouldn't have known that that existed at all. I really would have thought that that's a myth. And so when you're out there and you don't see it, it can feel like a distant, a distant dream, but, but just, just know, like 
if you do what you love and you follow that, you will have a much easier time because it sounds cliche, but you, you don't work a day in your life if you love what you do, you know, just like they say. So I, I just think, I just think following your own like inner voice and then finding people you know, like you and like me and people that can tell you, Oh, I know for a fact that it works because it works because yeah, I'm doing it. You know? I, it's I, like, live it. <laughs> I, I literally recorded myself. Like no one would record me. So I taught myself along that way. I met Joey online and this is when Joey had done like recorded two bands in his whole life. And then we, you know, I recorded 10 songs and those 10 songs that I did myself just in a room took me around the world. You know what I mean? Like those exact 10 songs, like we toured Australia and Japan and Europe and Warped Tour and, you know, headliners and, and, and support sold out tours. And like that, I think to a lot of people, that's the dream. And I just wanted to say that it was only 10 songs. And like, you pretty much have that power to do that in your computer right now, if you want to put in the work and you want to apply yourself. And I think it's easy for me to say from where I'm at now, you know, now I, I live, I travel a lot just for fun. Um, I, you know, I, I, I have a good life and it's all through music. You know, I've been, I, I got back from Thailand, I've done, you know, Iceland, I've done Korea, I've done, you know, we're going to the Bahamas next in three weeks, and then we're going to Italy, the, you know, it's, and honestly, it's all, all I do is music. That's and I rough. just, I, I, I don't, that sounds so douchey to say out loud, but no. I, I only say that because it is so achievable. Did you know that on the new Kendrick Lamar CD, there's like a producer, um, I wish I could remember this kid's name, he made the whole beat on his iPhone, he made <laughs> the whole song. Damn. on his iPhone. Yeah. And he is obviously probably has much more money than me now off of just, or, or any, you know, like yeah. I'm just saying it's, it's, you just got to put yourself out there and you'll be yeah. surprised what happens. Like I encourage bands to play shows and tour because a lot happens when you step out of your front door and not a whole lot comes to your front door. So it's like interesting who you'll meet and who will become someone like, we when we toured Europe, it was with Crown the Empire and our guitar player Alex and his local band took Crown the Empire on their first tour ever when they were just a local band, you know. So these are just two nobody bands just touring around, and then Crown the Empire blows up and they take us to Europe with them because they're like, oh, they're cool. Alex is dope. He took us on our first tour ever, and it's like you're around people like that right now. Like you're around the next Ross Robinson mm-hmm. and the next, you know, label owner, like the first, when I, I worked for Joey for a short time, Joey Sturgis, mm-hmm. and the first record I worked on was before their eyes. And I helped Nick write those songs and I helped track and produce. And Nick <clears throat> owns in Vogue records now. And I would have oh, never no. seen that in a million years. You just don't know. Yeah. And like, and people make magazines and people are going to keep doing things. And so just surround yourself with the people that, that do those things and, and you'll have a much easier time. Just, just positive people that encourage you. That uh, that has totally been my experience as well. And, you know, a thing you touched on that was really good too, I think, is like the Drake thing about like, you're, he's working and staying home while I do it. Like, you know, I have this like really cool job right now where a major label pays me to do documentaries on their artists. And, um, That's sick. I, if there's, I've been writing down the correlations of every big artist I see. And one of those correlations is it may look like they're partying a lot, but these people are working their fucking asses off and creating <laughs> yeah. constantly. And like, we all kind of know that, but man, like what I've seen with the access that I've been granted is like so much more next level of like, like you can't believe how much time goes into these songs and tracks you're hearing on the radio. And like, 
I always thought it was like, oh, it's like 80 hours. It's like, no, it's like 200 hours in a lot yeah. of these songs are, are getting done. And that's why they're exceptional is they're getting all these ideas and they're sorting through the ideas and then they're trying other things off those ideas. And it's like, it's crazy to see the machine and that's what actually pumps out like really all this work that a lot of people identify with. Yeah. It's the greatest minds. <laughs> yeah. Some of the greatest songwriters and, and, every, and artists in the world all coming together. It's how I feel when I watch a Marvel movie. It's funny. Cause like mm -hmm. a lot of people hate, I think the first thought is you like hate what's on the radio or that's how I grew up. You know, I was yes, like, same. you know, uh, it's on it. the radio it sucks. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's more acceptable now or I'm just getting older, but dude, you have to recognize that a lot of people like it. It's like how people, it was like trendy to hate on Nickelback for a long time. It's like, you can't deny that they have the hugest fan base ever. So like, mm -hmm. you know, say what you want. I, it's when people say, Oh, rap music's so stupid. It's so easy. I'm always like, dude, then do it. Like if, <laughs> if you look at that and you're like, it, that is easy then I encourage you to do it like for your family's sake, because <laughs> you know, like I wish it, it was that easy. I think the fact that it sounds easy, it's like watching a good actor. It's like mm. if they make it look easy and you, <clears throat> you think you can go home and do it too, then then do it. And maybe you can, but <clears throat> I think you'll find that it, it takes a lot of effort. And like you said, hundreds of hours and exhausting amounts of things. People sit at home and say that they can do it. Like, Oh, I can go out to these parties and then work all day and then no. put in all this. It's like it's different when you're there, man. It's it's not easy. It's not not everyone can do it, and it's it takes like a uniquely qualified person to to pull all of that off. Uh, a th thousand percent with that, and uh, I always think of like that Dunning Kruger st study that like the stupidest people think everything's easy, and then the smartest people know that everything's really fucking hard because they're actually yeah. doing it. <laughs> And it's like, I, it's funny. Things. Yeah. I always say, uh, you like, I know enough to know that I don't know yes, yes. everything or like, I, yeah, that it's not easy. You're not seeing it. You're just seeing like the victory lap. You didn't see the Drake staying home and you didn't see all that shit. So it's not real to you, but I promise it is. It's very real. So tell me, uh, a mistake, a hardship or a, a tough lesson you had to learn, uh, in the, all this. I, I don't think, I mean, you know, this sounds so cheesy, but I definitely encourage the mistakes because there, there's mm -hmm. no better way. I hope that they don't cost people a lot of money or a lot of time, but like sometimes it's, it's nice to learn those lessons early on. And I think I I've learned uh, the biggest one. I, I won't really repeat because I do feel like I've touched on, which is just the people that you think are your friends almost, or that you, that you think are supportive. I think just not becoming aware of that sooner was a mistake um, because it, it, it definitely delayed my career in it. And for a long time, I just don't think I understood what I was capable of. Um, and I mean that in no sort of cocky way at all. I just think that people should all accept that they can do things and not, not even like a, you can do anything. It's like, I just, it was right in front of me and things that I, I did have a knack for. And I still do like, even with that bless of all, like reading all the positive stuff. And it's all, it's always exciting when an art, you know, you do a CD and the artist CD comes out and you like follow it. You feel very invested in it. And I still introduce myself differently to different people. I'll be like, yeah, I play music. I play in band. That's like all I'll say. And my wife said to me one time, she was like, how many records are you going to produce until you just accept that you're a guy that produces records, you know? And I was like, huh, that's interesting. It's like, just, mm. I don't, I, I wish I had realized sooner that I was pretty good at like, I could make stuff sound good, but more than that, I could really uh, get people to like 
give a hundred percent. And I was really good at like corralling everyone in and, and coaching and mentoring. And so I, I've, I've like, how can I use those abilities? And so that's why there's so many bands I would be willing to bet. I, in fact, I kind of want to test this, but if there's anyone listening that does mm. know me, that's in a band that's met me on tour or something, I, I encourage you to go on this. What is your, what is the Twitter that they can like reply uh, to you at, at? No, at noise creators? Okay, perfect. At noise creators. That's easy. I should know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just reply. Cause I want to look at it later and I want you to say anything. You can either just say, that you have met me, but I, I guarantee that every single one of these people that is listening, that's in a band that's talked to me, or I don't know anyone that I've given some type of mentorship or help to like go on that Twitter. Cause I would love to see that. Mm. And I, I don't know. I, I think that that was my gift, right? It wasn't like that I could play in a band or I could sing or that I could produce records or whatever. Cause it's easy to look at things and be like, Oh, everyone else does it better than me. But I thought if you really know your strengths and you start to listen to what people are telling you, like the, the people that you can trust, you, you learn, like, we you know what makes you, what, what do I, what's uniquely special about me? And I think that that has been it. And so I've really tried to, to use, use all of this as an opportunity to just help other people do what I do. Cause I'm so fulfilled in my life and so happy. And I see people all the time that don't know what's next. And I didn't for a long time, but like, I don't know. It's like you, you find it along the way and you, you just, I just want to help and give back like any way I can. That would be my biggest thing that I, like I said, I already touched on it, but just realizing sooner, like what I was good at and also equally what I am not good at. Like Mm. I know what I'm not good at. I definitely know what I'm not good at. And I defer to people that are, and I openly like will be like, look, this isn't really my thing or this is not a talent of mine, but I would say this, I'm not really the guy for that. Like, I don't think I'm like the master of everything. So there, there's like subjects, like I I've learned a hard way that I, I am not visually like creative the same way that I am musically. So yeah, this is a lesson I, I learned too. I sort of, yeah, I sort of stay out of it. Like I can look at something and tell you if I think it's awesome, mm-hmm. but that's not the same. You know, it's like, yes. it's like there's a lot of people that listen to music and they'll tell you if they like the way something sounds, but they don't really care. You know, they're just like, they're not music people or they're just have the car radio on and that's fine. Like you don't have to obsess over every little detail like me, but there are visual people out there that are the equivalents of you and I, uh, for like content creation and they understand branding and they understand even just a t-shirt design. So like in my band, for example, I just don't do it. I just stay out of it. And I'll tell you, I'm like, I think everything looks cool. Like <laughs> I'm just like, that looks cool. That looks cool. But they value my opinion. Right. Cause I'm like not invested. It's the same way. Like I love like hearing what my wife thinks of something I work on. Cause she's just the perfect person because she's not super invested. She won't tell me she likes it just cause I did it, you know? And so I've done tons of things that she doesn't like or bands that or been in bands that she was like, I don't really like the music, but you know, I, I love you. Like, you know, and so I love that. I love that opinion. And I think you need that. And so visually like, dude, don't really ask me for advice. Like I understand branding. I understand like why it's important and stuff, but I would trust a real, you know, someone who knows that stuff, for example. So I think knowing what you're good at is, and more importantly, perhaps what you're not good at have been invaluable skills to me yeah uh, you know it's a funny thing is like what i started to learn was like it's kind of good like you know uh, another like uh like funny thing i learned like years ago is i would work with these producers who would like literally ask 
the person who, like, the girlfriend or the person who's just hanging out, the person who's walking by the studio for an opinion <laughs> sometimes. Not that we're going to do exactly what they think, but, like, there's something to the opinion of the person who's not picky and then the person who sees Michael. Uh -oh. Like, you and I, if we hear a bridge, we're like, well, you know, the chord could go like this, da 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 we could hear a thousand options. There's something about the yeah. brain of somebody who doesn't see that. And, like, I have that same thing. as like when I manage bands with, like, T-shirts and stuff like that, I'm like, I don't see the options. I just know either good or bad. Those are my options. Right. Like, we're, eh, we're I don't so care. We're so invested. Yeah. We're so invested. And that's why it's so useful. That's why you get – you hire a mastering engineer. That's why yeah. people – co-write is because uh, hopefully whether they mean to or not they're too close like they're just too close and a guy who's like like I, you would have that unique ability to walk into one of my sessions mm -hmm. and be like oh no this part is whack dude don't do that don't do that you no. know what I mean because you just know because you you aren't a part of the process you aren't like attached to it and it's funny how humans do that you know yes. we like we we make things into things that we love in our heads, even though nothing changes, like the same way that anywhere can kind of be home. That's like a uniquely human thing. Like you can be like, you can live in a van on tour or your mom's house when you get home or buy, you know, an apartment or whatever. But it's like, you can be like, this is home. Now this is home. And I, I think that that same, there's something in that psychological process that is like the same with music where you're like, it's that same demoitis thing where you're like, I don't like this. You're like, you know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe this is all it needs. And, uh, that, that's why it's, yeah, it's so important to know when you're, you're tapping out creatively or you'll make some, some horrible decisions. And that was a lot of trial and error. That's how I learned. I, I never developed a good technique. I'm just acutely aware of myself now. Like I can tell, Oh, I can't make a good decision anymore. I can just tell, I can tell. And when I cross that threshold, I just start recording everything. You know, I, I call it setting traps. So like in my music, I'll, I, I'm too brain dead to decide if something is a good idea or not, but mm -hmm. in an effort to stay productive, instead of just sitting there debating endlessly with myself, I just do it all. Like I saw so I'll plant all these weird traps all over the song right before I save it and close it. And I literally forget about it. And so the next mm -hmm. time when I open it, I play it and I'm like, what the, mm -hmm. what was that? Oh, that was tight. That was sick. And then I get my like real reaction. So, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I just know myself. But again, it was all trial and error. I, I didn't I don't really have a system other than I know when I'm not useful creatively. Mm. And so I will set myself up to be create like the next morning when I play what we did today. It'll have all this stuff that I won't remember. And then I'm like, ah, oh, dude, that's sick. Or I'll be like, whoa, that was weird. What was I thinking? <laughs> you know, like, I am not doing that. But at least I know, you know, yeah. at least we're trying things. And yeah. I'm with you. So uh, <clears throat> obviously uh, I want to be respectful of your time and everything. Um, why don't you do a little self-promotion, tell people where they can find you, and we'll wrap this up. Sure, that, that sounds great. Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Noise Creators, for having me. And my, and my name is Tyler Smith. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, at Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R. Um, Smith is spelled S-M-Y-T-H. It's my actual last name. It's not like I think I'm cool and I <laughs> threw a Y in there or something. I promise. I There's like nothing more embarrassing than people think uh, that I, I just think I'm awesome. No, like, I, yeah. I, I, my, my friends and I all have what we call our drunk names, which are nice. like basically the person you turn into when you're <laughs> drunk. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, if you want to reach me, I, actually, I would love it if you are an artist or an aspiring artist. Like, even if you're just dreaming about it or you're sitting at home, like, you should shoot me an email or reply to me on socials. An email might actually be best for this next couple weeks because I'm like slammed. Um, and when I get slammed, I try to not look at socials for at least a little bit so I can 
give my attention to the artists and stuff. But, uh, yeah, my, my email also is, um, Tyler T Y L E R at bandacademy.com, And you can email me and just, if you want to talk or if you have any questions, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I, um, you know, check out the new bless the fall record that just came out. I'm very proud of that. I'm sure like the, if anyone heard like the most recent falling in reverse track or the last album, like, then thank you. And I've got a lot of other cool stuff. I guess I can't really say any of that stuff that's coming out, but, um, I'm going to be, uh, coming around in May. I'm going to start being a lot more, I'm always writing people back and helping people and forming those relationships, but I'm going to be a lot more available on socials and I'm going to start essentially like live streaming my sessions and like things that I'm doing. So like just stay tuned for that. And, uh, you might find it incredibly dull or very exciting depending Mm -hmm. on the person that you are. Mm -hmm. It is not going to be for everyone, but, uh, but yeah, just thank you for listening. And if, if you have any type of question or any, any dream, or you just want to chat with someone or know that you're not crazy for wanting to pursue music, um, then yeah, reach out to me, email me, um, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. And If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook, share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creator's website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you're unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.